Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Baker Mayfield, Kevin Foote's favorite player. The guy that was signed off the street on Tuesday? Really? Signed off the street, had a few days to learn the playbook, the former number one overall pick. Former Cleveland Brown, Carolina Panther. Gets cut by the Panthers. Goes through waivers. The Los Angeles Rams desperate for something with Matthew Stafford likely out for the rest of the season and plagued by injuries across the board. The defending Super Bowl champs look lost. They're desperate. So they go get Baker Mayfield. And what does Baker do for this team? Comes off the bench, rallies the troops, orchestrates a 98-yard game-winning touchdown drive in the final minute of the game last night on Thursday Night Football to beat the directionless Las Vegas Raiders. What? This NFL season is absolutely box wine drunk. Good morning. Welcome to a very sober RP3 and company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3, joined by Miss Hannah Five Names. We got a good show lined up for you today. Hour from now, Byron Starks, LSU Eunice men's basketball coach and former Raging Cajun hoop star will join us to talk about the start of the season for his Bengals. At 7.30, Danny Jones, the voice of STM Cougar football, will join us to help preview today's state championship game between STM and LCA inside the Caesar Superdome. 8.15, Zach Miller will hop on board for fantasy football advice. For many of you, it's playoffs or championship weekend. And then at 8.30, Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles will join us for a little big easy blitz. 17-16 is the score. Unbelievable into this game. Back-to-back games now. And sorry, Saints fan, you got to hear this. Back-to-back games where a team that had a double-digit lead with like five minutes to go lost the game. It happened on Monday night, and it happened last night on Thursday night football. And Baker 
doesn't even start the game. No one knew who was going to start the game. If you listen to the broadcast last night on our station, our friends from Westwood One were debating. They're like, we even asked who the starting quarterback was going to be. We didn't know. They didn't find out until the guy actually rolled out there and it wasn't Baker. Wasn't Baker. 14-point comeback. Came off the bench to help it. Monday night football, Bucks scored two touchdowns in less than four minutes to beat the Saints. Thursday night football, Rams scored two, du- two touchdowns with less than four minutes left to beat the Raiders. Both trailed by the same score, 16-3. to Both won by the same score, 17-16. to The Raiders are now 0-4 this season when leading by double digits at halftime. They are the first team since at least 1930 to lose four times in a season when leading by double digits at the half. So that's not something you want to be known for. Things are not going well in Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels at the helm. That may have been a bad hire. Wait for it. I think it was. Baker Mayfield. Now, the Raiders imploded with some costly penalties in this ballgame. And you got the good and the bad with Baker in this game. 22 of 35, 230 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. But he was sacked four times. A couple of those were on the line. A couple of those were on him. There are times where he looked like a guy that hadn't figured out the playbook yet. There are times where he looked like a guy that was signed off the street literally a few days ago. (laughs) But he went out there and won the game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 98-yard drive at the end. Waved by the Carolina Panthers on Monday. Once again, he was cut by his team on Monday. He doesn't know the playbook for the Rams. They don't run the same offense. The interim coach for the Carolina Panthers is not part of the Sean McVay coaching tree. Claimed by the Rams on Tuesday. So our guy didn't get to the facility until what, Tuesday night? Maybe they sent him the playbook. He got one practice in with his new team on Wednesday. That's it. Cut on Monday, signed on Tuesday, got in a brief practice on Wednesday. Out there orchestrating a 98-yard game-winning drive on Thursday night. Unbelievable. 23-yard touchdown pass to Van Jefferson with 10 seconds left. Unbelievable. Former number one pick, now on his third team. (laughs) Just unbelievable. Helped, snapped the six-game losing streak for the defending Super Bowl champs. 
This is a desperation move by the Rams. They're not in playoff contention. They're just trying to be competent and trying to make sure Detroit doesn't have a top five pick. The 98-yard touchdown drive that Mayfield was able to orchestrate with the Rams offense was the longest go-ahead touchdown drive in the final two minutes of a game over the past 45 NFL seasons. The last time someone orchestrated a 98-yard drive to win the game in the final minutes of a ball game, final two minutes of a game, was before I was born. That's how long ago it was. Think about that. Unbelievable. Los Angeles trailed 16-3 after Daniel Carlson's third field goal. Once again, just like the team on Monday night that couldn't get six and had to settle for three, the Raiders couldn't get six and had to settle for three. That didn't pay off very well. That put up the Raiders 16-3 with 12-20 to go. Then Mayfield got the Rams moving. Cam Akers made a short touchdown run with 3.19 left. One play after he fought for a first down on a fourth down catch. So there's a lot of things that had to happen here. The previous drive, they had to pick up a fourth down. Then the Raiders, Rams defense rather stopped Derek Carr and the Raiders at the two-minute warning. But then it was disaster. You get the touchdown. Your defense forces the Raiders to punt. But then the return guy, A.J. Cole, drops the punt at the two-yard line. Should have been disastrous. But it wasn't. 98 yards, no timeouts. And Mayfield leads the Rams down the field. Now, they got helped out by a penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, on Jerry Tillery for knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hands after a play. Boneheaded move by the Raiders. Once again, bad teams commit bad penalties. And then there was also the contested 32-yard catch by Skowernick that was contested. But it stood. He had a career-high night, seven catches for 89 yards. Once again, the Raiders not utilizing their run game with Josh Jacobs. He had 99 yards and the only touchdown for the Raiders, whose three-game winning streak ended in terrible fashion. Less, this is the Raiders' season right here. They lost to the Colts and interim coach Jeff Saturday, who had never coached a game before. Then they turn around and win three straight. They're like, okay, well, now they've lost to a quarterback who was cut by his team on Monday, signed by the new team on Tuesday, and had one day to practice. Things are not going well in Las Vegas, once again. 
Woof. If you're a Raider fan, it is rough right now. And next up for Baker Mayfield, who, let's be honest, is he ever going to be able to top a game-winning 98-yard touchdown drive with less than two minutes to go and no timeouts? Is he going to be able to top that? Probably not. But he gets to go play at Green Bay next. Monday night football. Baker Mayfield and the Rams versus Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. How hilarious. This is what I would call the all-hatred Kevin football. Which quarterback does he hate more? Baker Mayfield? Aaron Rodgers. We'll have time to break that down for you because that'll be a week from Monday. To beat the Raiders like he did, game-winning drive, now that he's going to have the extra time off to prepare and to learn the playbook more because he played on Thursday and he won't play again until the not this Monday but the next Monday, what if Baker Mayfield and the Rams go into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? How awesome would that be? I don't like either franchise. I don't like either quarterback. I'm not a fan of either quarterback. But how just magnificent would it be to see that? In the Panthers. What if Baker actually plays well for the Rams? I'm looking at their schedule here. Snap to the six-game losing streak. You beat the Raiders. You got at Green Bay. They're a mess. You got the Denver Broncos. They're a mess. At the Los Angeles Chargers, who are known to implode under this new coach, they look destined to not make the playoffs yet again, despite having what many consider a generational quarterback in Justin Herbert. And then it's at Seattle. All four of those games unbelievably are winnable because Green Bay is trash, Denver's trash, the Chargers get in their own way, and Seattle's probably a loss because the Seahawks have been playing well and they're fighting for a playoff spot. But the Rams only lost to them 27-23. to What if Baker wins a couple games down the stretch? <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. 98-yard game-winning drive with no timeouts and only two minutes to go. Unbelievable. Didn't think I was going to see it. Could have scripted that better. And yet, here we are. Baker Mayfield. Game-winning drive for the Los Angeles Rams, your defending Super Bowl champs, on Thursday night football. Unbelievable, man. We got to take a timeout. Plenty more to get to. Vermilion Catholic falls just short in the state championship game last night. We'll recap that for you. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. 
RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's, Louisiana's sports station. station. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble here in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. That's right, no muss, no fuss, and guess what? No odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the tremendous products that Chris and his team has to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business and trust me, earn it they will. VC. Looking for their third state championship and their first since 2013. A great season for the Screaming Eagles. They had a great run in the playoffs as well, taking out the likes of Southern Lab and St. Martin's Episcopal. But they faced perennial powerhouse of Wachita Christian in the Division Four select title game last night inside the Caesar Superdome. Of course, you can listen to it on our sister station, 106.3 Radio Lafayette, with Craig Wall and Ward Corville on the call. But turnovers is what made the difference in this ballgame. VC got the ball first, got all the way to midfield on their first possession of the ballgame. And Zachary White, for Wachita Christian, intercepted Jonathan Dartez's pass. It was initially called down at the 47-yard line, but after the replay, that's right, they got replay up in there. They corrected the spot, and Wachita Christian had it at their own 35. Landon Graves then kept it himself, polished off the drive, running it in from the end zone from 12 yards out for the game's first touchdown. That made it 7-0. Now, with about 10 minutes to go in the second quarter, VC responds. Dartez scores a two-yard touchdown. This makes it a tied ball game. You're like, okay. And VC, which hadn't gave up multiple touchdowns all year, led by its very salty defense, made this a close game. But Wachita Christian had good defense as well. And remember, Wachita Christian also had been in a lot of close games. VC had not. VC had not. And then OC came up with its second pick of the game. 
After a couple punts by both teams, VC got the ball back with 439 left in the first half at their own 44-yard line. Great field position. They're looking to march down, take a lead, seize control, seize momentum of this ballgame. But Dartes threw his second pick of the game. Brock Hogan this time picked it off and downed it at the 11-yard line of Wachita Christian. And then they drove down the field as Graves hit Drew Dugan for a 23-yard touchdown with 10 seconds left to go before half. So two turnovers resulted into two touchdowns, and VC finds itself down 14-7 at the break. Then VC turned it over for a third time. This one was via a fumble. Wachita Christian drove down the field, scored their third touchdown in the game as White found pay dirt from 16 yards out and extended their lead to 21-7 midway through the third. Three turnovers, three touchdowns. Then... A Wachita Christian intercepted Dartes for a third time in the contest and put up another touchdown as Graves connected with Dugan for the second score. Eagles had now led by 21 points with 435 left in the fourth quarter. Now, credit VC. Allen McClan, the third, got a 65-yard scoop and score with three minutes to go. Defensive touchdown for VC. That makes it a two-possession game, but that would be as close as they'd get. Four turnovers resulted in four touchdowns. That was the difference in the ballgame. They typically don't turn over the ball that much, but the four turnovers in last night's ballgame were the difference. And that led to four touchdown drives. 28-14 was your final in the Division Four Select State Championship game. Oak Grove won the earlier game yesterday there inside the Caesar Superdome, defeating Homer easily, shutting them out. So two state champions have been crowned. Three more will happen today including one that's going to be featured on this station, the St. Thomas More Cougars, the Lafayette Christian Academy Knights. Now in the same district, STM won the first matchup, and they'll face off again. 11 a.m. pregame with Danny Jones, the voice of STM Cougar football. Kickoff noon inside the Caesars Superdome. You can listen to it live right here on the game or on our free mobile app for Android or Apple devices. That's going to be an interesting contest because both teams can score a ton. And we saw what LCA did to Turlings in the semifinals. Turlings beat them during the regular season. LCA scored 60. Last week, yeah. Against Turlings. These are two teams that have played and won multiple state championships in the last five years. They understand what's at stake. The stage is not going to be too big for them. They have that experience. It should be one heck of a grudge match. And 
Kevin Foote and I were talking with a few other people yesterday asking us what we thought about this game, and boy, it feels like a coin flip game. I always favor the team that lost the first matchup because they have that extra motivation. And I think that played a role with LCA and Turlings. But I think LCA's experience gave them an edge in that rematch because they know how to perform in the deep in the playoffs. But that will be an advantage against STM because the Cougars are always deep in the playoffs playing for state championships or winning state titles. So that's going to be a heck of a ball game. Once again, STM, LCA, you can hear it live right here on the game. Pre-game at 11, kickoff noon. And, of course, Danny Jones will be on the call. And we'll get more of a preview about that state title game when Danny joins us coming up at 7.30 this morning here on RP3 and Company. But right now, we got to take a timeout. Thursday night football. State championship game. What about college football awards? They were handed out last night. Does that give us any sense on who's going to win the Heisman on Saturday? We'll talk about that and unveil our poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. That's right. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armitage Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. That's right. $500 Visa gift card. Man, that could come in handy with some Christmas gifts. Thankfully, yours truly already took care of the Christmas gifts early this year. What? I do something right sometimes. It's that easy. So Christmas comes early sweepstakes. You want to win the $500 Visa gift card? Then you got to go join our rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the Christmas come early sweepstakes powered by Armitage Jewelers and the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. College football awards were unveiled last night. Now, this is usually a pretty good indicator of what's going to happen with the Heisman. Because it comes down, we know the Heisman has essentially become a quarterback-driven award. Unfortunately, because... Heisman voters believe that entire teams are only have quarterbacks. But that's the reality of the situation. And it usually comes down, since it's a quarterback award, who wins the Maxwell Walter Camp Awards? Who wins the Davey O'Brien Awards? Those are the big three when it comes to the offensive players. Davey O'Brien, well, that's the nation's best quarterback. That's what he, who he gets awarded to. The Maxwell Award... And Walter Camp Award 
is given to the best all-around player in college football. USC quarterback Caleb Williams headlined the college football awards last night as he was named the Walter Camp Player of the Year and the winner of the Maxwell Award. And, of course, the Maxwell is given to the best all-around player in college football. Williams is the first USC player since running back Marcus Allen in 1981 to win the Maxwell. This season, his first season playing for USC after transferring from Oklahoma to the Trojans to play for Lincoln Riley, who left Oklahoma for USC. 47 touchdowns, throwing for 4,000 yards, and leading USC to an 11-2 season a year after the Trojans went 4-8. Now, Williams wins the Maxwell and was named the Walter Camp Award winner. Fellow Heisman Trophy finalist Max Dugan received the Davy O'Brien National Quarterback of the Year Award. By the way, Dugan becomes the first TCU quarterback to win the award that's named after, wait for it, a TCU quarterback. Funny how that works. Dugan threw for 3,700 yards, accounted for 36 touchdowns for TCU this season. TCU actually took home multiple awards. Safety, Travis Hodge Tomlinson received the Jim Thorpe Award given to the top defensive back in the sport. Sonny Dykes won the Coach of the Year Award from both Home Depot and Walter Camp. Garrett Riley, offensive coordinator for TCU, won the Brawls Award, best assistant coach. By the way, Riley is the brother of USC coach Lincoln Riley. I guess that family knows how to coach, huh? For the second year in the row, Will Anderson won their Nargiski Award. He also won the Chuck Burnack Award on Thursday. Both are given to the best defensive player in the country. The Outland Trophy for the nation's best interior lineman was won by Michigan Center. Oh, I'm not even going to pronounce that young man's name. First name O, second name O. I'm just going to call him Double O. <laughs> that, that name's way too hard for me. I can't deal with that. He also won the Remington Trophy given to the sports best center. A bit of a uh, shock was George's Brock Bowers winning the John Mackey Award for best tight end. He beat the kid out of Notre Dame. Kid from Notre Dame had better numbers. You're shaking your head too. You want to try? You want? <laughs> Hannah's shaking her head. She just looked it up. She's like, "I what? What?" Tennessee's Jalen Hyatt, who got that NIL deal from Hyatt Hotels, finally received the Belitnikoff Award given to the nation's best wide receiver. First time a Vols players has won the uh, Vol players won the award. He beat out Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. And even though he didn't crack the Heisman finalist list, I thought he should have because he was an absolute monster. Texas's Bijan Robinson did win the Doak Walker Award for best running back in college football, continuing a tradition of Texas running backs winning said award. But as for the Heisman, does Caleb Williams winning the Maxwell Award give him the leg up here? It feels like it does, right? Even before 
them losing in the Pac-12 championship game, it did feel like it was going to be Caleb Williams's to win. But I think it's going to be really close. I, I really do. I think Williams is going to win the award. Becoming the first USC player to win the Heisman since Reggie. And I still count Reggie having the Heisman, even though they took the Heisman away from him. Sorry. But when USC had that great run of Caution Palmer, Matt Leinart, and Reggie Bush winning the Heisman in, what, five years? Maybe even less. So I feel like Caleb is going to win it. I believe, though, that Dugan's probably going to finish second and it's going to be closer than probably a lot of people think. But that's what I think is going to happen. Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. Dugan will finish second. Stroud out of Ohio State will finish third. And Stenson Bennett will finish fourth. But who should win it of the four finalists? That's our question. That's our poll question of the day. Who should win the Heisman Trophy? Not who will, but who should win. Right now, 58% of you say TCU's Max Dugan should win it. 27% say USC's Caleb Williams. 15% say Georgia's Stinson Bennett. No votes yet for Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. Let's get to some comments on our poll question of the day. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, People have Heisman moments. If it could be won by the last four minutes in a game, then Max Dugan should hands down be the winner. They may have lost in overtime, but Max in the last two drives to tie up the game was freaking amazingly amazing. Yeah, he was. I, I thought Dugan's Heisman moment, moment was rallying TCU, forcing overtime in the Big 12 championship game. Ralph Bergeron says Caleb Williams, then he should donate it to Reggie Bush since his shouldn't have been taken away. I agree with that. But both better watch out for number 32. If the trophy walks away, it must be OJ. Oh, Ralph. <laughs> Todd on Twitter says, honestly, I think it should be Tennessee's quarterback. I am stunned by Hooker not getting there. I think he deserved to be there. I thought he was the best player in college football this year before he got injured. And I'm not a Tennessee fan. But respect. Kid straight out bald this year Oshak Hennessy says Dugan remember that JD5 was in the conversation without knowing how to read a defense hashtag Nussbus I'm throwing shade at Jamie Daniels Took, I love y'all y'all never change <laughs> y'all take opportunities to throw shade at guys it's uh it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal so keep those votes coming today on our poll question of the day. Five names. You're just going to have to grab the microphone here. I, look, I don't know how to pronounce the Michigan Center's name. I looked at it. I was like, I can't even tr attempt the first name or the second name. And she couldn't pronounce it either, but she has done research, finding audio clips of how his name is pronounced, and now she's phonetically tried to send it to me via text message on how to say it. I'm not going to attempt. Is your microphone not on? The microphone's not working. <laughs> of course. 
course it's not. Oh, wait. Am I on Tina? Don't turn it on first. That's a good idea. Um, oh, it's been a long week. <laughs> so, no, I was actually, week. when I was phonetically sending to you, it's Max Duggan. It's Duggan? That's yes. what you were trying to send to me? Yes. But I can try. Um, so the Michigan guy. Uh, so not Dugan Duggan. Yes. All right, Max Duggan. Sorry, my apologies to the young man who I'm sure is listening on the free mobile app for no. Android or Apple devices. Yes, well, somebody that's a big fan of the guy called to tell me how to say it correctly. Who, who was that? Give him I a shout know. out. I don't know his name. He just told me that and said, whoever, come on, bro, and hung up. Whoever <laughs> called to, to tell us how to pro- properly say the TCU quarterback's name, shout out to you. Because I've heard it yeah. say Dugan, so it's actually Duggan. Yes, from Thank the actual that. highlights I looked up of a 12-minute highlight video of the man. There we go. That's how it said. There we go. So, right, so, so we got that corrected. <clears throat> shout out to the guy who called for that. So I was under the impression that you were figuring out how to pronounce the Michigan center's name. I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try first, and then during the break, I will try to figure some highlights to find his name. All right. Wait, wait, wait. I would think it would be Sagan, Alu Watimi. Sounds good to me. Double O. <laughs> shout double out to, O, man. Shout out to Double O. Not Double O Seven, just Double O. <laughs> Guys, the best center and best interior lineman in in uh, offensive lineman in college football. Shout out to Double O. I will. They're in the break, guys. Don't worry. I will look up highlights to figure out how to say it. Ooh. Announcers has to know. Announcers have to figure that out. They have to go. Hey, how do you say this? Well, it's responsible. You, you know, it will help if you can find the Michigan Wolverines media guide because the SIDs always put how to pronounce the players' names in there. There's always a section for difficult names for you to be able to pronounce them properly when you ask yes. them questions in the press conference or if you're part of a visiting radio crew or television crew. Yes. That way you know how to pronounce them. So then they're on their rosters too. Like we go there like their website for the yes. school. I'll don't worry guys. I'll dive into this. Research team in effect. So I was saying Dugan, so he should have been like, I wonder if he's related to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's automatically what my brain went to. You have no idea who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is, do you? No, I'm looking up now. <laughs> what did he play? What did he do? He was a wrestler. Got it. Mid-South and WWF back in the day. Do you, do you remember when I went and I had to ask you, hey, does this look good of bringing out a gift for my my stepson and see, hey, what is this? Because I don't know anything about boxing. I think I know anything about wrestling, too. <laughs> Crazy, man. Oh, come on, Hexall Jim Duggan. You should you should find a video of him during the break as well. I yeah, I don't think. <laughs> don't worry, guys. I'm gonna get educated during the break. How to pronounce the Michigan offensive lineman's name, and then looking up. I you do that, and I will find you Hexall Jim Duggan videos. Perfect. There we go. Teamwork. It was it was one of the moments of my wife, young childhood that she still remembers. Hexall Jim Duggan being set on fire by another wrestler. Why we in Jackson, Mississippi, fire? because it was Mid-South Wrestling, the greatest yes, territory of wrestling history. I already told Kenneth when I we watched the like <laughs> the arrest and like what these guys did. And it's like a whole like 12 minute video of like, this is the story of blah, blah, blah. And they like did this thing. And it's like, you know, murder and all this other crap. And half the time they're from like Florida. And I see, look, see, you have all the wackadoodles with you. <laughs> goes i'm not from these places i'm only from pensacola i said oh, no you include all of it he's part but that's part of the panhandle <laughs> that's part of it that's part of the pan i forgot that your fiance is florida man yes he is a gator <laughs> he wanted 
He actually ordered the like little small Rubik's cubes so we can make something out of the Rubik's cubes because we've done that. We've made it out of like Kobe Bryant. We have one of our in our house that we like used marker instead of Rubik's cubes. It's a lot. And so he's like, what if we did this? And it's like the Florida's like logo. I said, no, uh-uh, not going in my house. Luckily that my late grandfather got you a Santa hat that has the gators on it. You should, tell you, him, you should tell him you already received the gift of Billy Napier and the players and staff that he took. You don't get anything else. Oh, yeah. I told him, so you have to be mad with me. You can't be happy you get Billy Napier. You have to be mad with me that I lost Billy Napier. He goes, yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> Keep those votes coming for our poll question of the day. Not who will win the Heisman Trophy, but who should win the Heisman. That's always the great debate every single year. Who should win it and who actually wins it or a lot of times, not the same. So go vote on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids, and we'll share them throughout today's show. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here of RP3 and Company. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, it's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get yourself a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. That's right. A $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. It's a good deal. It's a good place to go. Not just I'm not saying that just because Hannah used to work there. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today, starting at 10 a.m. to get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only 20 bucks. Man, that'd make a great stocking stuffer for someone in your family. Producer extraordinaire has come, come to the table with information on yes. the Michigan offensive lineman's difficult name and how to pronounce it. What do you got? So I actually found a clip that Isaiah Hole has posted on the Wolverines Wire. Of They actually asked him personally, like the player, how to pronounce his name. Perfect. So this is the clip. My last name is Oluwatimi. Olushegun. Yeah, the, the first name is usually harder for people to grasp. <laughs> Did he say Ola Shuga? Ola Shugan. Ola Shugan? Mm-hmm. And Ola Wadi? Alu... Alu, what to me? Sounds Polynesian. Sounds difficult for me to say. Double O, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we tried, guys. We got it. We got it. Our number one in the books. It's a fun way to start off today's show and to wrap up the work week. We're going to kick off our number two. LSUE men's basketball coach and former Louisiana Raging Cajun hoop star Byron Starks will join us right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. 
Hour number two has arrived here on RP3 and Company. First hour was good. Recaps Thursday night football. Baker Mayfield signed off the street on Tuesday. One day of a brief practice. Comes in and rallies the defending Super Bowl champions to a 17-16 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. 98-yard drive with no timeouts in two minutes to go. Vermilion Catholic, meanwhile, fell short of winning a state championship in the Division IV Select title game last night in the Caesars Superdome. Four turnovers led to four touchdown drives for a Wachita Christian as they win 28-14. And, of course, we talked about the college football awards that were handed out last night. Does that give us any indicator on who's going to win the Heisman tomorrow? Caleb Williams took home the Maxwell, but Max, not Dugan, Duggan, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. By the way, not to worry, I've already educated Hannah on who Hacksaw is. For all you old school Mid-South WWF fans. But Max won the Davey O'Brien Award. I think it's going to come down to those two. But our poll question of the day is not who will win, but who should win, in your opinion. Who should take home the hardware tomorrow for the Heisman Memorial Trophy ceremony. Go vote on that and leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time for us to talk a little basketball, and that's never a bad thing. Oh, never. Never a bad thing. His team last night pulled out a hard-fought 71-67 victory over the Mississippi Gulf Coast Bulldogs. They're on the road at Winslow Arena to improve to 9-2 on the season. He's been in charge of the LSUE program for now, for more than a few years now, leading them to record-setting seasons, to the playoffs, and so much more. You also know him as a former Louisiana Raging Cajun hardwood star. It's our good friend Byron Starks joins us now. Coach, good morning. Hope you had a tremendous Thanksgiving, and uh, hope your holidays were amazing with you and your family, bud. Good morning to you, first of all. And, yes, we had a great and amazing Thanksgiving, although mine was uh, pretty short. We had to end up going out to Florida and playing in the Chipola Classic out there. So didn't have much of a break, and I'm looking forward to next week when I will have a break. <laughs> uh, you got you, you to gotta take it when you, when you can, brother. You got you to gotta enjoy it when you can. You know, no doubt, no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about the, the, the start of this season, 9-2. and two, Good start coming out the gate. Um, obviously, you, you took part in some tournaments to test your your team and, and see what they're made of. Uh, what do you think of your team so far through 11 games? Well, I can say one thing that we are a resilient team. You know, we've gone through the gauntlet since the start of the season. And when I made the schedule, I said, I don't know what the heck I'm doing <laughs> scheduling these games. But we started out the year going on the road to McLennan, I played in their classic and um, we beat Hill College, which was a very good team, and turned right back around and beat McClendon, which gave us a good indication of uh, the type of team that we are and uh, how much better we can be as the season goes along. Um, I'd much, much rather 9-2 and two than 2-9 and nine because, see, I didn't know how this schedule was going to go at the beginning, but we have a group of guys that uh, understand the process, understand winning, and are uh, pretty skilled. 
You forced 17 turnovers in last night's game that resulted into 17 points. Is that something that you guys are kind of priding yourself on this season? Uh, is that defense and forcing all those turnovers? Yeah, you know, we, we have a lot of length uh, with the way we play, and we've been doing a lot of, you know, pressing and pressuring throughout our games because of that particular length and size that we have, and it's worked in our favor. And according to uh, our synergy rating, for those who may be uh, familiar with it, uh, we're excellent in that category uh, in the defense on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, with the length that we have and the speed, I think that's worked in our favor. And I believe once the two match offensively and defensively, we can become an even better program and team. How much turnover did you have from last year's squad, Coach? I only have four, four guys back from last year's team. And it's a totally new roster. Um, and some of those guys are young and, and we are new together. Uh, but the beautiful thing is we are together. And we've been working a lot of new guys. Nas um, grew who played at St. Aug um, a couple of seasons ago, has come in and taken a leadership role in terms of handling the basketball. And he's done a phenomenal job for us. Uh, we have a kid from Minnesota, Porsche DeBowl, who's a transfer from Odessa Junior College. And uh, he's come in and made a huge impact. And, of course, we have two returners back, Bryce Roberts. Uh, actually, three, Bryce Roberts, Keani Saxon, and Caden Pierre, who have um, taken that leadership role and has done an outstanding job of training and teaching our new guys. How much have you leaned on those three guys that you have that are really, you know, you kind of core? They understand what you expect. They understand what the program is about, what you guys do off the court is just as important what you do on it. So how much have you leaned on them? A whole lot. You know, they're like, uh, extra coaches on the floor. And they understand our terminology from last year. You know, we have a number of people from, you know, across our state, this area, country, and the world. And uh, one thing they have to learn when they come into our program is an additional language that we call bingo. And those guys understand exactly what we're talking about when uh, we talk about the habits that we have and the expectations on and off the court and the things that we need to do to help this program continue to move forward. Talking with Byron Starks, LSUE men's basketball coach. His team, with a win last night, improved to 9-2 and two on the season. They've been in the playoffs seemingly every year and gotten better and better and better. What's been the big key to taking those big steps like you have every single season since you took over the program just a few years back? Well, you know, we talk about creating a, a culture and – you know, sometimes that takes a while. And in the sporting arena in the world, everybody talks about culture, but we really want to be a team that's um, hard to deal with on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. And one of our main themes of implementing that is uh, become a part of the mob, which basically stands for make others better. And we've been consistent with that theme since I started the program. And those foundational guys got a chance to see it and, uh, these guys that we have in our program now are just continuing to carry the torch and hopefully we can break through and get us a uh, regional championship and move on to the national championship um, as well. That's the big step, right? Uh, you, you got, when you took over the program and kind of started from scratch, just establishing the culture, making it 
you know, getting to the point where you had more wins than losses and you were able to do that right off the bat. Then it's taking another step, getting more wins, winning championships in your region. You, you do that, then you go on to the playoffs, and then you actually win a game and, and move on. So you've taken gradual steps year after year. How much is that process all about patience on your part, Coach? There's a whole lot of patience, you know, because it, people want instant gratification in our world today, and uh, we constantly talk about delayed gratification and doing things the right way, the way that our kids have performed. Uh, on and off the court has been a reflection of the way that we want to run our program. And I think that speaks to the entire institution of LSUE and the way that, you know, we want to present ourselves. Um, we've seen what the baseball program has done, the softball program has done, and even with our soccer program, making it to the national tournament, in particular the men's soccer program. So uh, we want to kind of join the party, so to say, and, and we've been taking those steps and strides, and it's so far so good. You know, just last night I told the guys we are in a part of, of rewriting history in terms of our program. Um, according to the Massey ratings, we are uh, right at about 36, 35 in the NJCAA polls. Um, so we're just trying to continue to climb that ladder, uh, become one of the top 25 teams in NJCAA, which will be a milestone for our program. You know, we've gotten votes uh, early on in terms of that, but we just have to continue to do what we need to do on the court to make that happen. Now, what do you do during this time? Because you had a, a good start to the season, but now you're going to have this weird break, right, between yeah. now and New Year's, where I do I do believe you're not going to return to the court until January 4th against McClellan Community College when they come to the Cajun Prairie. So that's a long layoff. That's nearly a month without playing a game. How do you keep your kids focused? How do you keep them in shape and not let them get, uh, you know, like kids do sometimes during the holiday break? They, they you know, they, they get a little, uh, little fatter and uh, maybe sleep a little <laughs> bit more and, you know, kind of lounge around a little bit more than they typically do, Coach. So what's your game plan? How do you keep them focused and fresh? So my message to the team is, uh, you know, from the start we had a vision and we always talk about fighting for your future. So we've been going pretty much since school started. And I think this break allows them to uh, decompress, get back with their families um, while understanding the mission. Because I tell them, look, you're going to have a good uh, bit of downtime. But in that, remember, you're still in season. So enjoy your break, enjoy your family. And it's almost like coming back together after a a summer break. I, I felt like our guys are always refreshed. Um, they're happy to see one another again. And the things that we've learned in the beginning, you can kind of see it coming together in the second part of the season where they understand even more. So um, I've just tried to make sure that we've sent, you know, even through our group chat, just little uh, clips of things that we have done at the start of the season and keep it fresh in their minds. And when they come back, we look at what we call the second part of our season and started as if it's the beginning of the year so technically when will you have them uh back on campus practicing when will that happen so we have our last game tomorrow of 2022 and then um they'll take a two-week break and we'll have everybody come back around december 29th and we'll start preparing uh for the upcoming games which we start back up again with mcclennan on january the 4th so we'll work some of that Christmas uh, eating out of them during that time frame, and, and uh, but they understand that they are in season, and we try to tell them, hey, if you want to become a 
high major college player or professional, uh, when you're in season, you need to stay in shape. And when you go to training camp, you need to go and come in shape. Now, Coach, some people may think it's funny me talking to you about staying in shape because, you know, I'm a, I'm a large man. So what, what are some tips that you can give your, your, your big fella here on, on how to stay in shape? Because not all of us can look like Chad Jones, right? Be healthy and fit and eat whatever you want and, and you still look like you, you can run cross country. So what are some tips you can give me, bud, to get into shape this, this holiday break? Well, look, they tagged you as what bald and beautiful. Or was that was that the big? That's um, right, the big. That's right, the big bald and beautiful one, coach. <laughs> so hey, you don't need anything. You already got it. You know, I would just say keep doing what you're doing, RP3. You look good to me. So just uh, eat a little bit and everything in moderation, just like I tell our guys, and, and you'll be okay. Wrapping up our conversation here with LSUE men's basketball coach Byron Starks. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach, now that you've been invested in this program, building this program from scratch, and getting to this point where you guys are one of the best teams, not only in your conference, but in the region, what's the next step that goes beyond winning a championship, bringing home a, a national title? Well, what's the next step that you want to see this program take the rest of the season and moving forward there? on the Cajun Prairie? It's all about molding men. To me, championships are important. I think it's a sometimes a milestone in individuals' careers, but we'll see the imprint and the impact of what we do, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Um, and my motto has been to mold men from the start, and that hasn't changed. And I think that's going to be the telltale of the success of any program. Um, we want those two-year relationships to become 20-plus-year relationships. And to me, that's the ultimate mission because you know, basketball, the sporting world is one thing, but I think it's an important aspect on imprint on people's lives that brings individuals together, no matter um, your background, your financial status. Uh, it brings people together for a common mission. And uh, that ultimate mission, of course, we want to win, but the – most important mission is we want to win at life. And I think that in itself is why we exist and why any institution should exist. Well said, brother. Well said. Coach, appreciate your time. Best of luck with your final game in the 2022 calendar year. Enjoy your time off. Can't wait to come back out there to Cajun Prairie, see you guys play in person there at home. Appreciate you making the time, and Merry Christmas to you and your family, brother. Yes, sir. I look forward to seeing you after Christmas, bald and beautiful, and <laughs> continue to be bold in what you're doing. Thank you, RP3. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. That's LSUE men's basketball coach Byron Starks joining us here on RP3 and Company. Hey, busy weekend. Holidays are here. Got to tell you about a great event. Get in the Christmas spirit this Saturday at the Delcom Boat Parade. That's right, the annual family-friendly Christmas celebration. It's going to be held from 3 to 9 there at 411 South Richard Street in downtown Delcom, right there on the water. Come see dozens of lighted and decorated boats while listening to your favorite Christmas music. It's the Delcom Boat Parade this Saturday night, once again, 3 to 9 there in downtown Delcom. Great family-friendly holiday event. Make sure to go check it out. 
we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll update the poll question of the day. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Usawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Who should win the Heisman Trophy? Not who will win, but who should win. College football awards were last night. Max Duggan. We're going to do research if he's kin to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Because if he is somehow, some way, can we just go ahead and give him the Heisman Trophy now? That alone puts him over the top for me. Sorry, Caleb Williams, and you're nearly 50 touchdowns. The TCU quarterback could be possibly related to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mid-South and WWF star, that's the case. I'm pushing for him to receive the award just on that alone. Caleb Williams, though, did win the Maxwell, which goes to college best athlete, right? So that's usually whoever wins the Maxwell is usually an indicator on who's going to win the Heisman. Duggan did win the Davy O'Brien Award, which goes to the best quarterback in the country. So it looks like it's going to be Caleb Williams is going to win it. But who should win the Heisman Trophy? 53% of you agree with me. TCU's Max Duggan. Possibly a long-lost nephew of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 25% say Georgia Stinson Bennett. Lots of Bulldog fans filling up the votes to this morning. 22% say Caleb Williams. No votes for Ohio State C.J. Stroud. No votes. No one thinks C.J. Stroud is worthy of the Heisman. feel like a bunch of Big Blue fans I know are voting on this poll question of the day. Let's get to some more comments, shall we? On Twitter, Salty Steve says, Bennett, best leader on the best team, only numbers that counter wins, and he has led his team to more wins than any of the other three. Started out a walk-on, went to a junior college, then brought his team to two natties. Hashtag no salt Friday. Also interesting about Stinson Bennett, he nearly was a raging Cajun. Billy Napier and company recruited him out of JUCO to come, and he decided to try to stick it out at Georgia. He could have been a Louisiana Raging Cajun. Think about that for a second. B-Rad says Duggan, but the SE quarterback probably wins it. ESPN is pushing hard for him, and he's in a massive media market. It's more of a beauty pageant than a football award like the NFL MVP. I agree with everything B-Rad just said. The best player in college football does not win the Heisman. If that was the case... You'd have pass rushers 
defensive backs, wide receivers, even though Devontae Smith won it a few years ago. You'd have offensive linemen, running backs win the awards now. It's become a glamour quarterback award, which is disappointing. I think that devalues the Heisman Trophy. I'm just being honest. I'm uh, uh, Look, I still remember a time where you would watch Keith Jackson call games on ABC TV on Saturdays. So I remember when running backs and other positions were valued and it wasn't all just about the quarterback. And, you know, you've had years. Remember Indogan Sue, he was a Heisman finalist. He probably should have won it. Tyron Matthew was a Heisman finalist. I could make the argument that he should have won it. There's been a lot of great guys over the years, especially on the defensive side of the football, that should have won the award that didn't because voters only give it to quarterbacks. Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie's chimed in. Boy, the Ohio State University hate is strong this morning. I love it. Honestly, anytime a quarterback wins the Heisman, there should be a mini Heismans for the rest of the offensive players. Yeah, I, I just go back to the the whole point of we, we give it to the quarterback, right? Oh, he's the best player in college football. What if he doesn't have any guys up front? You got to have a good offensive line in front of you, right? Got to have guys blocking for you in front of you, right? I mean, part of me has always felt like if you're going to give the Heisman Trophy to a quarterback, then you should go ahead and get five mini versions made for his offensive line. Because without them, he doesn't do what he needs to do. It all starts up front. It all starts up front. Yes, spoken like a former offensive lineman. I know. I'm pretty transparent, guys. Tiger Den Sports says neither one of those Hendon Hooker should have should have won. Look, I still think it's ridiculous that Hooker didn't get invited. I don't care about the injury. He was the best player in college football. Especially the best offensive player. Martin on Twitter. So when are they going to change the Heisman Trophy to the QW Award? And five names. How can you not know who Hacksaw is? Shaking my head. Defend yourself to Martin. Others want to know as well. How do you not know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is? Because I'm not into wrestling and I'm not into boxing or anything of that nature. First of all, it's not boxing. <clears throat> He's a wrestling. I, I said He's wrestling and er- boxing. He's from the era of wrestling. Old Mid-South <clears throat> legend. Once again, the man was set on fire. Traumatized many a, a, a youth out there watching the tape delayed next week what happened in jackson mississippi to hacksaw jim duggan they did a whole storyline where like they didn't think that he was going to live <laughs> and people they, they they asked people to write him goodwill letters and everything good wish you know get well letters to him and everything like that it was a whole storyline and then he got his revenge they did an interview with him and had half his face covered up in gauze and bandages from the burn and then he actually contracted cancer, and he's cancer-free now. He's kicking cancer's butt. That's he what did. Hacksaw does. He did. Pulls out the two-by-four, gets after it. Uh, I couldn't find a concrete thing that says that they are related, but it has happened to be that 
Max Duggan's parents is actually Jim and Deborah. And Jim Duggan, which is actually James Duggan, his wife is Deborah, which is hilarious. But I can't find exact concrete information that they are related. Can we just go ahead and assume that the TCU quarterback is somehow related to Hacksaw? Sure. There we go. That's what I needed to know. But yes, my thing to Martin, I just am not into that kind of stuff. I wouldn't have been friends with Clint Doming back in high school who was into all that stuff. Wow, so. why is there slander towards the world-famous CD? That's, that, that's what he's into. We're, we're, the man posts about it almost every single day. Like, it's his, like, number one thing to do. We're, we're, we're shooting our Christmas, company <clears throat> Christmas card today. There's a Christmas party tonight. Tis the season, and you're out here throwing <clears throat> shade on uh, poor Clint Domain. Clint is all about that stuff. I'm not about that stuff, so oh we wouldn't goodness. have been friends. <laughs> I wouldn't have to be talking to him about I that. think this may be the start of your heel turn, to use an old-school wrestling turn wrestling nope. term turning bad guy on us as we speak i'm already a bad guy most of the time what i'm the woman in here so yeah of course i'm the bad guy <laughs> tell you what to do uh moving on richie shopon says duggan bennett shouldn't be even there keep those <laughs> keep those votes coming keep those thoughts coming as well share them on facebook and the twitters on our poll question of the day who should win the Heisman Memorial Trophy tomorrow night. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 and Company, oh man, Danny Jones, the voice of STM Cougar football, will join us to preview today's state championship game between STM and LCA inside the Caesar Superdome. That's coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic. I want to dance with somebody. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Brian's Jewelers and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's welcome on our next guest. Not only is he the longtime voice of the St. Thomas More Cougars, he's a man that probably back in the day cut up the dance floor to Whitney Houston, Huey Lewis, and some others. He's got a reputation to uphold. It's our good friend, Danny Jones. Danny, good morning, bud. How are you? Let's stick to radio. (laughs) Are you telling me, are you trying to lie on the radio and tell me that back in the day in your younger days, you never just got on the dance floor and tried to impress the ladies? You ever seen somebody dance with five left feet? (laughs) Oh, bravo, bravo, bravo. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look, man, you put uh, you put enough liquor in me. I'll get out there and do the electric slide at any wedding 
Just let you know. <laughs> Just then, you let can you dance know. With, then you can dance with somebody. <laughs> oh, man. Brother, let's just start. How good does it feel just to be gearing up for another state championship game? I know you don't take them for granted, so just just how much of a blessing is it to be able to be on the call and, and to be involved with the team and get to see them have a chance for a state championship? You know, this is – and I've said this for, for as long as I've done this, and obviously St. Thomas More had opportunities and lost in the state semifinals for – you know, seven or eight times before they made it in 2015. And I said, what an incredible opportunity for all the kids. And not just at St. Thomas More VC last night, you know, it didn't work out for Brock and them, but what a, what a great opportunity for those kids and for LCA, for St. Thomas More, all the kids from across the state, not just this year, but every year. But there's something special about being back at the Dome. And for St. Thomas More, this will be their third state championship appearance since 2018, but the first time back at the Dome. And so, 2019 was special, and it was an incredible atmosphere at St. Thomas More when they won against De La Salle. But to, to go back to the Dome, these seniors were in eighth grade, so nobody on this team has ever been to the Superdome. So it's, it's going to be a special day. Let's talk a little bit about that, though, because you're facing off against a team that has plenty of state championship experience in Lafayette Christian Academy, but – you guys, STM has a ton of experience as well. I mean, I know a lot of these guys were eighth graders the last time you played in the Dome, but they've played in state championship games before. They've played in big games before. They have a Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame coach on their sidelines. It's not as if the moment's going to be too big for STM today. Yeah, look, this is – so many people thought that this St. Thomas Moore team – that the ceiling was about seven and three this year. And early on, even at the, the preseason retreat, Coach Hightower looked at me. He said, there's going to be something special about this team. He said the senior leadership is something he hasn't experienced in a long, long time. And he was super excited about it. He said there was just a cohesiveness to this unit. He said, I don't know what, if it's going to translate to the football field. We're going to have to find that out. But he told me Thursday or Wednesday, he actually said it obviously translated to the football field. And, you know, so – he saw something. It was just a matter of what they were going to be able to do with it. It's a very senior-laden team, um, which is a lot of guys. There's a lot of players in the program for St. Thomas More, so you have a lot of seniors. But this senior this senior class has been really special. They were sophomores the last time St. Thomas More won it in Natchitoches. They were freshmen in 2019 when they won it at STM and didn't work out last year. We came up a little bit shy in 2021. But this senior group, it, they have a chance. Even though it's LCA, look, LCA is a formidable opponent, uh, and it's tough to beat a good team twice. Uh, we beat them in Week Ten, but we'll have to see what we'll have to see what happens in about five hours. What did you see from this team, the Cougars, at the start of the season, and how much they've grown throughout the season? What's the big thing that kind of stands out to you that was different from say weeks one and two to where this team is now? Uh, first, I think Sam Altman. Um, Sam has, even though he played some last year when Walker Howard was hurt, you know, it's always, you know, when you have a, your starter is a junior, and yeah, he might have gotten some playing time, he got some experience as a sophomore, to watch his progression, and he we had a two-quarterback system for the first half of the 2022 season, 
and then he was announced as the full-time starter about midway through. To watch his progression, it, it's not just, look, we all know we lost Walker Howard. Walker Howard was a special talent uh, from a year ago. But to watch Sam having come through and, look, we played some we played some great opponents in Ash and, and Brother Martin, Catholic of Baton Rouge and Denham Springs, and then got into we got into the um, District 4-4A schedule. And you had Terrellings and Westgate and LCA to end the season. To watch Sam Altman go through the, the season ha- has been special. So that's one. I also think the running back room, um, a senior, two soft- or two juniors, and a sophomore ha- has helped this team along. Because you got four experienced wide receivers that are seniors on the outside. And so from that standpoint on the offensive side, defensively, you've got some young guys step up. Our two middle linebackers are juniors. They got some playing time a year ago, but, you know, they were – they were not as seasoned as seasoned as they could be. We're talking with Danny Jones, longtime play-by-play man, the voice of STM Cougar football. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Once again, STM's taking on LCA state championship game. You can listen to it right here on the game. Pre-game with Danny begins at 11 o'clock. It's a special one-hour pre-game from 11, and then kickoff will be at noon inside the Caesars Superdome. Take us back to week 10. This district is just filled with Titans. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, the, the heavyweights that are in this district. And you guys wrap up the regular season facing off with LCA. What was the key in that first matchup, Danny? Running the football. Running the football for St. Thomas More. That's what I think. We were able to run the football very, very well against LCA. And, look, if if somebody would have told me, and this is five weeks ago, so it's, a, it's water under the bridge. Somebody would have told me that at halftime of the first game, LCA would have had zero points. No chance. No chance. It was 10 nothing at halftime, RP. And so we were able to run the football first half, second half, and hold on for a seven-point victory. Um, I think also that the thing St. Thomas Moore is going to have to do this afternoon is match the intensity of LCA. And people say, well, why do you say that? When you, have the, when you have a second matchup, typically the team that lost, feels like they have a little bit more to prove. Correct. And so to, to match the intensity that LCA comes out with is going to be a huge, huge factor for St. Thomas More. And, look, day games aren't fun. You know, I don't know how the Big Ten does it. Um, but playing in the Superdome, it's going to feel like you're not going to know what time it is. So I think that's that's huge for both teams also because having, having to play at 12 noon is a little tough, I think, for both teams. But at least they won't be able to know outside with, you know, sunshine, muggy, rain, whatever it would be. Uh, is going to be a little bit of a uh, factor as well, even though it is a 12-noon kickoff. You mentioned running the football, and when you run the football effectively, Danny, you can also limit the amount of possessions your opposition has. And we saw what LCA's dynamic quarterback can do when you give them multiple possessions in the shootout with Turlings Catholic in the semifinals. How do you slow down that young man? Well... (laughs) That's the million-dollar question right now. They scored 138 points in their last two games, and 70 against Dela South, 68 against uh, Turtlings, and Jawan Johnson had nine, or he accounted for nine touchdowns a week ago. So obviously, he's you know he's a special talent. You know, we we talked about Walker Howard briefly. You know, generational type talent. That's where Jawan Johnson is. He's special. Um, but I think they'll go back to the tape and they'll look and see what they did differently in the first half compared to the second half against LCA. Look, this is easier said than done, 
but you're going to have to pitch down and, and try and contain him as best you can. And the key phrase there is as best you can. We're, we are severely banged up defen- defensively, but everybody's banged up at this point in time in the season, week 15. But we are going to have to spy him and try and contain him. And if, if we have a spy on him, don't think. Just react to wherever number seven goes. You know, I want to ask you this because I've interviewed Coach Hightower more than a few times over the years. And, you know, we put him in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame and deservingly so. But I, I find his career fascinating, Danny, because it's a story of patience, right? Because he gets success, wins state championships at Catholic Point Capee, comes to STM and, and just can't get to that point of claiming a state title. And late in his career, when most guys are probably retiring or kind of, you know, their careers are kind of petering out a little bit, he's got this thing running at even a higher level than probably he's ever had it before. The last five to six years have been absolutely phenomenal for this program. Why do you think he's had so much success, especially late in his career? Well, if, if you know Jim Hightower, the man, he's uh, he's a great football coach, but he's an ever, even better human being. And and he cares immensely about his players, his his staff, his family that of his players, his program. Let me say this, and, and I know people will say, well, the first time they ever made it to the Dome, the split was in effect. I remind people all the time, and I'm not a fan of the split, and it's been well documented, and St. Thomas More as a whole athletically is not a fan of the split. You can't fault these kids by playing by a set of rules that adults decided. And so he is just he, he's taking his teams, and I, I hate the split because I really think there's a few of these teams that have made the Superdome that I'd love to see where they lined up when if it was just five classifications and five championships. I think the, the athleticism and the program and the continuity, you know, you look at this coaching staff, it is over 50% guys that have been there either 20-plus years or have played in the program before and come back to coach. I think that's a huge, huge part of St. Thomas More football and what Jim Hightower has built at St. Thomas More Catholic High School. Bud, appreciate your time as always. Have a tremendous pregame show. Have an even better call inside the Caesars Superdome. And, uh, brother, if I don't talk to you before Christmas, Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend. Same to you all. And I just want to plug this real quick, RP. I got a chance to sit down with, with Jim Hightower, not talking about necessarily the game, but just his career in St. Thomas More football, and that'll be in the pregame show. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Jim Hightower, go ahead and tune in at 11 o'clock right here on 103.7 The Game and get a chance to hear from a lot of the coaches, but specifically a, a one-on-one with Jim Hightower, an incredible human, man, human being. Danny, appreciate you, bud. Enjoy the call. Thanks so much. Happy holidays to all of you. That's Danny Jones, longtime voice of STM Cougar football. Once again, state championship game, STM-LCA. Kickoff will be at noon today, pregame. You heard Danny talk about it. He's got a special sit-down interview with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, Jim Hightower. That'll be part of the pregame show. That'll begin at 11. Pregame 11, kickoff noon, STM-LCA. State championship on the line inside the Caesars Superdome. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update that poll question of the day. Get to your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. 
Oh, man, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at louisianachristmaschannel.com. That's lachristmaschannel.com, lachristmaschannel.com, or simply download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices, and you can also listen on your Amazon Alexa. Once again, visit lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa for the Louisiana Christmas Channel. So get your holiday cheer on with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Poll question of the day, who should win the Heisman Trophy? Not who will win it. I believe Caleb Williams will win it, the USC quarterback. But who should win it of the four finalists? That's our poll question of the day. Right now, 54% of you say TCU's Max Duggan. 26% say Georgia's Stinson Bennett. 16% say USC's Caleb Williams. And 4%, someone finally woke up and started voting for Ohio State. Dot the I. 4% of you say C.J. Stroud. Lots of comments about this so far. And look, I would have had a defensive player there, right? I'd have a running back there. That's just me. That's how I look at it. But I'm not the Heisman voters. I don't have the privilege of voting on the award, probably because they know that I would probably try to insert an offensive lineman into the mix. (laughs) That's just me. That's just me. I'll be like, hey, O-line, D-line, you're headed to the Heisman ceremony. Because it's just so easy, right, just to go with quarterback over and over again. It's just That's the easy thing to do. Oh, look at the stats. That's all you got to do. Come on, man. Game of football is more than just stats. Justin on Facebook says, should win Max Duggan, most likely to win Caleb Williams. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it as well. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter for our our poll question of the day. Who should win the Heisman Trophy? We got to take a timeout. Hour number two in the books. Only one more hour to go today and for the week, but not to worry. You want to get those phone calls in? Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's kick off hour number three that way. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, happy Friday to you and yours. One hour left on this 
fabulous Friday edition of RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. And I'd just like to shout out to Byron Starks, former Louisiana Raging Cajun star, LSUE men's basketball coach, friend of the program. When someone texted me about how funny it was that I was talking about staying in shape over the holidays with Coach Starks, that was a bit of a jab towards me because I am, in fact, the big, bald, and beautiful one. To some, I am nicknamed Three Bills, which I proudly accept. You know what Coach did? He said, aren't you the big, bald, and beautiful one? I mean, right there. Right there. Coach is telling me, RP, you good? You're good. You enjoy being your size. You're good. You don't have to be shamed by those texting me while I'm live on the air, making a mockery of me. You know who you are. You know who you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're having fun. Oh, man. Coming up half an hour from right now, Tina Howe, our friend from Canal Street Chronicles. Saints are on a bye this week, so there won't be misery to talk about after they lose another game. But we will talk about now that this team, we can finally move past the whole thing about them being in playoff contention. What's going to happen with this team this offseason? What are some moves that need to be made? What about the medical staff and how atrocious this is? We'll dive into that with Tina Howe coming up at 8.30. In about 20 minutes from right now, Zach Miller will be joining us for fantasy football tips. Lots of playoffs or championship games are going on this weekend in a lot of fantasy football leagues. Or if you're in the RP3 and Company League, the battle for who's going to be the worst team in the league, which will be going on between Hannah and I, will be this weekend. <laughs> I'm in fourth, sir. I'm right under the top three that are all 10 and 3. You're hanging out with Zach and Darren, so, who are 3 and 10. <laughs> so question. Yes. If I beat you, be sad. is that going to knock you out of the playoffs, getting into the playoffs? Because I think our playoffs begin next uh. week. Yes, ours begin next week as well as my family ones we begin next week. But um Ooh, so you can't oh, so I could keep you out. I'm I not could, sure. I could be spoiler. We'll have to look into that. Because I'll be eight and six and right below me, everybody else is like seven and six and Oh, but if someone wins and I make you lose, could come down to tiebreakers. Could be. Could be the points for and against. So you can't let me beat you this weekend. Yes, it does say 67% chance that I'm winning and the other 23 is for you to win. But am I, I Have I even set up my lineup cro- properly? Are there guys in IR <laughs> in my lineup? There probably is. Well, one of your guys put up like three points last night. So. <laughs> Score! <laughs> you lucked out. One of mine, Skronik, put up 15, and I didn't put him in. But Yeah, I, I feel I like... I got Chase back. Jamar Chase is back, so... I, I feel like you're going to mop the floor with me. That's how that's going to happen, but that's all coming up. But right now, let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on the Vice Chancellor of Erath, Louisiana. Martin is on the show. Martin, good morning, bud. How are you? Well, I was doing good until I found out that Todd means does not know who Axel Jim Duggan is. <laughs> I mean, so, and she knows I love her to death. I got given her a hard time. But moving from this point forward this is what needs to happen 
what needs to happen is Clint Domain, host of the Cajun Strong Style podcast, shout out, there you go, Clint Domain, uh, needs to take her under his tutelage and teach her a little bit about wrestling. I mean, it, it, it's just almost un-American that you don't know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is. I mean, even rest, people that don't even watch wrestling know who Hacksaw is, man. I mean, the 2 by 4 the American flag. Oh, there I is. mean... I mean, come on now. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's almost as bad as as uh, me as not liking pie, you know. And I hate to bring that back up, but uh, I mean, come on. I mean, got to draw the line somewhere. And uh, one thing, I hate to keep bringing this up, but how does? Because I know my buddy Paul's listening to the show right now. But how does signing a man to a nine-year, three hundred? million-dollar contract make the Yankees better. When, like I said on my comment the other day, when the playoffs rolled around, he was a no-show. Now, what the Yankees do need to make them somewhat of a contender is pitching, and I don't see them signing. I haven't seen them sign anybody yet. So, uh, but anyway, um, in my opinion, the Astros are still the team to beat in the American League. Uh even though it's going to be a hammock season, like Kevin Foote would say. But uh, I think y'all need to put five names in a, in a tutoring class. That way she can learn a little bit more about wrestling. That way when you when you mention Hacksaw, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, she'll know who you're talking there about. There you go. All right, Martin. But, thank you, bud. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Or I could just give you my Peacock subscription. Streaming password. The thing is, though, I don't need to do anything. Whoa! Well, no. What you need to do, first of all, first of all, uh, you know, look, the 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 people have spoken. The people love the old school wrestling that listen to this show. So maybe if you just become a little bit more knowledgeable about some of the bigger names, do you know who Randy Savage is? Heard of him? Yes. Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yes. I, I know the sisters, you. the like the twin sisters. I know them. You know the Bellas because of their reality television show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. On E. There you go. <laughs> I got the rock. You got you know the rock. See, look, there you go. Boom, done. There we go. There we go. It's my knowledge. But yes, yeah. You can you can watch <laughs> old superstars episodes of WWF. You can watch old Mid-South Wrestling episodes. You can even find the episode when Jim Duggan is set on fire by General Skandar Agbar, which caused many a child to be uh, traumatized, including my wife, because she really believed that he had really been set on fire. You can find all of that on Peacock, by the way. Okay. In in case you were wondering. In case you were wondering. Is Ronda Rousey, is is she included in that too, before she went to do like MMA and stuff? No, no. she She did all the MMA, UFC stuff before she went into wrestling. When she got done with UFC, then she went over to wrestling. Got it. There you go. There you go. See, look. We're learning. Boom. And this revelation about you not knowing who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is could possibly cause a friction in a certain friendship of yours um, with a mutual friend of ours. So I don't know. Uh, We'll have to fix that. But also, can we get back to the fact that you say that you wouldn't have hung out with Clint Domain? Why did you assume that? Clint wouldn't have been cool enough to hang out with you back in high school. Well, see, let's start there. I was also in like the part of like the band that was like we were the cool people, we weren't the nerds of the band. Um, that's how I knew everybody. That's also how I got homecoming court. 
Shout out to that. But uh, did um, you just flex? Yeah. About being on homecoming court. Yeah, didn't win obviously because I wasn't on like volleyball or something. But, anyways, I feel like close all into that. I feel like he's people that sat outside. We had like two little courtyards where you could sit outside for lunch and like before school. I feel like Clint was people that would sat inside the little courtyards. I sat inside of the school, and had like, you know, the ex, you know, the boyfriend that had the speaker in his book bag to like play music for everybody in the hallway and didn't get in trouble somehow. I was like that kind of person. I wasn't like. So what you're saying is that you were too cool for Clint Domain back in the Probably. day. Probably. Wow. Wow. That's and then be hard. James was too cool for me, but then you know Matt was in the middle somewhere. Oh, Matthew, Matthew was not too cool for anyone. <laughs> God bless him. Yeah. Because was not too cool probably for Probably Matt. I think probably would have been friends, maybe. L- listen, you probably. Oh, Miss Homecoming Court of Slidell High. Too cool for school. Too cool for CD. Yeah, probably was. Probably would say yes. Probably agree with me. Or you would try to make some type of joke that wouldn't land. Yeah. About the situation. Yep. Ten <laughs> percent out to him he gave me uh ichiro's uh player card so it's now sitting in my house next to my tv so not only did the man give you something <laughs> as a nice gift you then decided to turn around and put him on blast on the radio about saying that you wouldn't have hung out with him in high school yeah because that's what he's into i wasn't into that so we probably wouldn't have been friends which is why dylan asked if, if we we're friends he said we're friends <laughs> i hope so but Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently we're May- just acquaintances. Maybe not after today. Hater. Hater. I'm sorry. Hater. Who knew Hannah Five Names was such a big hater? I mean, think about it, though. Y'all probably can change my mind. I didn't like basketball before, and I like basketball. You didn't like baseball before, and I got you. Yeah. I wore you down so much that you actually started rooting for a team. I uh, Yep. And even bought merch. Yep. Tell me I haven't bought merch. My mom bought me merch. And then they asked me what I wanted for Christmas this year. And I said, I mean, I'd be lovely if there was like a Julio Rodriguez jersey just happened to appear in my house. You're just begging for gifts now, too? No. Is that well, what that's what doing? I wanted. And I said, that's what I, that's 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 on the list. Maybe you should just ask Santa. I, yeah. I said Santa's great gift would be that. Yep. That and a toaster. I don't. I, I can't. I can't with you. I can't with you. How do you not have a toaster? I don't know how to have a toaster. I got a microwave first. And now the microwave that I had could fit into the microwave now. They're not exclusive. (laughs) You can go to any store. I can go to the dollar store right now and get you a toaster. It's not as if they're expensive. They're a toaster. I just asked the name to get a toaster. How do you not have a toaster? I don't know. But I got two crock pots. One's a small one for like couples, even though we barely, you don't use it as much. It's for like dip now. Got a blender. Food processor. So you got a food processor, <laughs> a bunch of hippies, and you got <laughs> a blender to chop up your kale smoothies or whatever nonsense <laughs> you're eating. Kale's nasty. But you don't have a toaster. No. So you don't eat toast at all. You don't have a bagel at all. No. Well, I, I'm good with eating bagels cold. 
I don't have to toast my bagel. And it's the only way that I eat blueberry bagels is if I have cream cheese. I can't eat it by itself. But I'll eat a blueberry bagel. Which I'm not a big fan of blueberries. But I'll eat a blueberry bagel because it has cream cheese on it. You're a fascinating person. I feel like I really am. You really are. I bet we can probably do a Q&A. Like a little TikTok video of just a Q&A of, for me. Of, of stuff you don't know. Yeah. And stuff you don't have. Or things that you want to know about me. Why were you hurt as a child by, with a toaster? Let's let's talk about that. I did burn myself making a toaster strudel one time. There it is. I did do there that. It there it is. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't take us that long to figure that out. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Who do you think should win the Heisman Trophy tomorrow? Not who will win, but who should win. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for some fantasy football advice from our guy, Zach Miller, former RP3 and Company League champion. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, this Sunday, celebrate the holidays with the Imperial Calcasieu Museum at 204 West Sailor Street in Lake Charles with holiday art under the oak. Santa's going to be coming to town and we'll be visiting the good girls and boys under the famous oak tree. There will also be an open-air market with food vendors, local artisans, and live music performed by Dominique Darbon and Wesley Roger. That's the holiday art under the oak this Sunday in Lake Charles. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Who should win the Heisman Trophy? Not who will win, but in your opinion, who should win college football's most prestigious award? But right now, it's time for us to talk fantasy football with the former RP3 and Company League champion. Zach Miller joins us now. Zach, good morning. How you doing, But How are your prospects for making the playoffs in the 127 different leagues you're involved in. Four out of seven, I'm playoff bound, so I'll take it. That's a good percentage, bud. Majority of them, you're headed to the playoffs. I'll take it, yes, sir. Now, for our league, RP3 and Company League, this is the final week of the regular season. The playoffs begin next week. And, interesting enough, Hannah, five names, and yours truly are facing off. Now, I'm not going anywhere, bud. I've been a dumpster fire from jump. I am what they like to call Paul Ball, right? I'm awful. Right. I'm 4-9. I'm in 12th place. I'm not going to the playoffs. But I can play spoiler because Hannah is at 8-5, and five, currently in fourth place, but she's got many people nipping on her heels with the seven wins. So if she slips up and loses, she could miss out on the playoffs. That's what makes this weekend so critical 
for fantasy football, right? Because you have so many people trying to sneak in and you could easily fall out of the playoffs or jump into the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Great answer. Uh, great answer, bud. Time. Thank you for it's your time. time. Thank you for your time, Zach. That was a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm all about playing spoiler this time of year. It's uh, uh, like you said, if, if you're on the outside looking in, uh, it's the last bit of joy you can bring yourself is to thwart someone else's uh, attempt to get there. Um, so I'm all for it, man. Uh, if, if you can rain on somebody else's parade, uh, let's try to help you do that. Oh, thank you, bud. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to we're trying to make things happen here. Yeah, I've set my lineup, filled up some spots. Guys, we're on by, and I am uh, still projected to lose one thirty to one eleven. And things did not start off on the right foot for yours truly because my tight end got me a whopping three point ten points last night. So, not a great start for the push here, brother. <laughs> yeah, that that that's going to be a rough one, man. So uh, what positions do we need to uh, tighten up for you so you can uh, make a run? Oh, I'm not I'm not making a run. But Hannah to beat her. Okay, so five names has something that could be that could hurt her in this matchup. And one of her starting running backs, her RB1 if you will, Leonard Fournette is questionable. And he's projected to get her like 11 points. Now that could be the difference in this matchup with yours truly. Because I got Austin Eckler going on as my RB1. So she's got someone that's questionable, but she doesn't have anyone coming off the bench that can help her. So she's going to have to go to the waiver wire if she wants to. Or she could move Hubbard into that running back spot and then put somebody else as the flex spot, which may be a little bit more manageable for her to do. What do you recommend for her? Let's see. So I'd be very very skeptical pinning my hopes on somebody like a Hubbard um, because he's, he's really going to be relegated to backup touches. Um, so if I'm, if I'm looking to tighten up a flex position, I'd be much more comfortable with uh, say a Nico Collins or something like that. Who's, you know, really elevated his play since Brandon cooks has been injured. Uh, he's been double digit point score for, you know, last three, four weeks. Um, he's just getting the volume that I'd be much more comfortable with sticking in my lineup. Um, even a DJ Chark or, or someone along those lines. Jordan Mason might be somebody you consider uh, with McCaffrey um, because Mason is the one that's getting the lion's share of the work whenever McCaffrey's being spilled as well. So I'd just be more comfortable with one of those guys in my lineup as opposed to uh, Hubbard. There you go. There you go. Now, let's go broader for those out there listening. It's tough because we're in this time of year. You're trying to make a playoff push. What's the biggest mistake most people do on this week? Is the biggest mistake, Zach, not really paying attention and just thinking you got something in the bag? I think the biggest mistake people make this time of year is they're, they may be skeptical to just pick somebody up off a of waiver wire and put them in their lineup. They usually tend to want to stick with the guys that they've had on their roster spot for a while. Um, when at this time of year, it's really all about the matchups more than anything. Um, even though it, it might be somebody you drafted or you know traded for early in the season, you're not tied to those people. Sometimes they'll end up sinking you. Uh, the very best person to play might be somebody that you just picked up uh, this week. 
um, and you got to stick them in your lineup and trust your gut uh, instead of, you know, uh, nostalgia. Now, let me ask you this. The other thing that a lot of people tend to do is you're right. They, they tend to stick to their guns. They don't want to, you know, mix it up and, and go by the best matchup. Another thing, it, it sounds silly to say this, Zach, but another thing is just the maintenance, making sure your lineup is set because once we get to this point, 13, 14 weeks in, sometimes people forget the maintenance of their own fantasy football team, and they may have someone who's injured or questionable not play, and that could cost them big time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you can't you can't ever stop tweaking your lineup. Uh, your lineup's got you to this point, uh, but you got to do your part and just continue to manage and tweak. And uh, you might be in a position where your quarterback has a terrible matchup this week, and the best thing for your team might be to go out and start Mike White. You know, uh, oh. you would never thought that six weeks ago, but sometimes that's that's what you need to do to to be bold and, like I said, make a splash. Let me ask you this. We'll wrap it up with this. A lot of times you can make a smart move but a few weeks beforehand and what I mean here is what about if you're a playoff team and you're paying attention to the landscape here we know the Atlanta Falcons are making a switch they're going to their rookie for next week they're going to the rookie this week and he'll face off against the New Orleans Saints next week who always struggle against rookie quarterbacks that could be a favorable matchup that you could have in your back pocket Baker Mayfield played well last night for the most part, coming off the scrap heap, essentially, after being cut after a couple days. Is this the time where you maybe take a chance, stockpile on a guy maybe to have for yourself to use in your lineup for the playoffs or just to have on your team and avoid other guys or gals being able to put them on their team? Absolutely. That's a, that's a good uh, that's a good thought there. It's it's important right now to look at your team. You might have some people on your bench that unless there's some injury that you're not going to put them in your lineup. They're expendable at this point. So, yeah, you can look for somebody when you're scouring the waiver wire that that person might not have a great matchup this week. But, you know, weeks in the in the next two or three weeks, whenever, you know, it's crunched on, they may have great matchups. So, yeah, you can easily drop somebody that you're not going to play off of your team this week and just pick up somebody. Uh, Kansas City defense is, is a good example of that. Uh, their defense is not really known to be a juggernaut by any means, um, but they have a great uh, schedule during the championship weeks. So you can literally just pick them up and just have a second defense um, with the intention of playing them in the next couple of weeks. That's that's an amazing way to uh, forecast, for sure. All right, bud, one more. What's more atrocious, the fact that Hannah does not have a toaster or the fact that she didn't know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan was? Oof. It's tough. I know. I'd say Duggan. I'd say Duggan. There you go. There you go, Hannah. But she, you still have time to remedy this and get everyone back in your favor. Not only guests, but callers and your host. Just do a little research. How do you there we go. Zach, as always, appreciate your time. Enjoy your weekend, my friend, and best of luck in your matchups. Hopefully you can punch all those tickets and uh, maybe move up in the standings and get a more favorable matchup for your playoffs, bud. Let's shoot for that. Let's go. There you go. Zach Miller, our fantasy football expert. He says it's more egregious that you do not know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is. Wait till I tell the wife. <laughs> 
Wait till I tell the missus this new information. You have no idea what you've done. None. None. <laughs> when we come back here on RP3 and Company, Tina Howell will join us from Canal Street Chronicles. We're going to talk all things black and gold. Where do the Saints go from here? We'll break it down next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles now joins us. You know, it's been a rough week for the black and gold, and I thought to myself, who can I reach out to that can make us feel a little bit better about the situation involving the black and gold? And I said, you know what? Tina, she's always positive. She always has a good outlook on life and her fandom. That's why I got you on. Good morning, Tina. How are you? Hi, good morning. It's Friday. I'm great. There it is. And you don't have a Saints game to stress about this weekend because they're thankfully on the bye. Amen. (laughs) Okay. We can put a fork in this team for the year, right? Go ahead and stop torturing. Saints fans can stop torturing themselves about possibly winning the division at like 7-10 or whatever ridiculousness it was going to be. And start kind of looking forward to next season. I want to start there. What are some of the big things that are going to have to change with this franchise? Because the window closed. We know it's closed now. Now it's going to be time for, okay, how can they get this thing back on track? And what's where do they first need to start, Tina? It starts at the top with coaching. Dennis Allen was a great defensive coordinator for this team but he was not the right person to fill in or take over for Sean Payton. So unfortunately Dennis has, has to go. I mean, there's been too many missed opportunities, poor execution, play calling. I mean, just this offense, we did almost everything right in the off season. And then the season starts and we've done everything wrong. And there has to be accountability starting at the top and it has to be Dennis. I mean, it, you know, it's bad when, when fired Dennis Allen has been trending for two weeks now. The Saints have been trending nationally for two weeks now. There's a petition. I mean, it's, you know, the fans, our fans are very passionate. I will give them that. You know, they're not always right. But in this case, they are. You know, when you've got national media outlets questioning decisions by this team, you know, and the and the Saints fans and in Saints world, Saints Twitter are, are you know doing it, it, it. Everybody can't be wrong. The old saying is, "Where there's smoke, there's fire." Changes have to be made. And like I said, Dennis was a great DC for us, but he's not the right head coach. I I, I had concerns when he was hired, but I said, "Well, you know, he's paid his dues. Let's give him a chance." I, I know that the team was going for um, continuity with Sean leaving, but it was not the right decision. I think we realized that about four or five weeks ago. But, I mean, obviously, you don't want to make a coaching change in the middle of the season when we, with our situation with all the injuries that occurred, 
uh, it wasn't always initially fair to jump in you know, three, four weeks into the season and say, okay, Dennis has got to go. I, I didn't agree with those, those thoughts, but I mean, now where we're you know, like you said, the season is basically over. You know, we've got four games left. Hope that uh, we get through them with very minimal injuries and uh, get this team healthy. But yeah, I think Dennis needs to go. I think Pete needs to go. Uh, the last two seasons, this offense has been, you know, not playing to its ability. I mean, we're so used to having such a, a juggernaut. And the last two seasons, you know, we've been outside of the, the top 12 in the league in offense. And and I just think it's time for a change all around. Um, then after that, it starts with players. We have a lot of players, you know, key players that are free agents. Um, Mark Ingram, I know you and I, you know, kind of talked about this briefly with Mark, you know, he's in his last year of his contract. I mean, he's, he's on the, the bad side of 32, <laughs> but I mean, there are a lot of players like Cam Jordan, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with him next season. I mean, he's been such a presence on the defense, but I mean, we, there's a lot of changes that are going to need to be made. And I feel like overall, this team has lost its, its fire and its passion. I mean, it's one thing I can always say, you know, when the saints were losing, the players had fire and passion on the sidelines. You know, you saw that they really, you know, they were doing their best and doing everything. And I just feel like they lost that, that grit and that passion and that swag that they, they we've seen them have even, you know, in the ugly games. And uh, it's, and it's disappointing. Cause like I said, we did everything. It's, it felt like going into the season on paper, we had all the potential. And then obviously, you know, Jameis's injuries and the way all that was handled um, it's just tough. It's tough here to sit here and go, man, this is the Saints, you know, with four games left. And, you know, there is no really no hope for the playoffs. And it's basically, you know, we got to just check the boxes like, OK, you know, where do we what do we do and where do we make the changes to look into next season? Um, my goal, I hopefully, like I said, is just get everybody healthy out of the season and, and start fresh next year. <laughs> there has to be some accountability, though, with Mickey Loomis as well, because Mickey's the one that chose da mickey's the one that signed off on pete carmichael who by the way didn't want to be oc to begin with but they had to come back to him okay and mickey's also the one that put together this roster that is more flawed than we thought it was going to be how much accountability does mickey loomis need to step up and put on his own plate i mean he is he is accountable obviously as the gm but i mean the way i look at it as a whole is what is what has mickey done for this franchise totally you know, over the years. I mean, we've made a lot, we made a lot of good decisions. We made some bad decisions, but I think that if they are swift about this and somebody asked me the other day, they're like, okay, well, do you think Dennis would come back as defensive coordinator? And we, we, I said, well, I kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of like you were working with somebody and you say, okay, Hey, you know, uh, we give you this promotion, but it's not working out. So we want you to go back to your old job. It's, you know, not bitterness, but just awkward. And I don't know, you know, we don't know what, what, what is going on behind the scenes with the players and how, how they feel. And obviously they're not going to speak out about it, but you can kind of, you know, get the gist of that. There's just something there, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't know what it is, but there's something going on behind the scenes. So with Mickey, I just, I feel like, yeah, you know, we, we've got to say, Hey, he's somewhat accountable, but if, if they're swift about this and, and, and make some decisions and try to right the ship, quickly while we have an opportunity because you know when when coaches when it's when it's black monday and coaches become available i mean teams make decisions very quickly so we need to we need to start looking now <laughs> as who's out there and i'm sure they probably are um again you know i'm not in the front office but yeah mickey is accountable but i mean i'm not gonna 
I'm not really going to beat up on him too much because I mean, overall as a whole, I look at his record and then what, you know, he's done here and um, you know, there's been more, more positive than negative, but this was, this was just a bad decision. Um, there were a lot of people in the beginning, you know, quest, like I said, questioning it because of Dennis's history as a head coach. And, you know, we just thought going into the season, well, you know, we've got a lot of talent here, but you know, there's been some decisions that have made on, on the field and off the field as well, as far as with injuries and placing players on IR and things like that, that, you know, just it's questionable. You're scratching your head. And I just kind of feel like here we are again, you know, with just a couple games left in the season and we're having the same conversations. So it, it's hard to really justify you know, to them, oh, keep keeping him in, in a head coaching position and keeping Pete as the offensive coordinator. But and I will Bensons, say that. I mean, a lot. But, but Tina, yeah. the Bensons and Mickey have never fired a coach after one year with the Saints. Now, I know they did it with Stan Van, okay, with the Pels, but you really think they're going to fire a guy that has been part of the organization for 10 years, a guy they signed off on. They could have had Eric Bieniemy. They could have had some other guys. They chose DA over them. Do you really think they're going to give up after one season? If they're smart, they will. But what I mean, if they the fan don't? Base is, yeah, they're losing the fan base. Ooh. And um, I've, I've seen several people say this online, that they're going to give up their season tickets if he's not let go. Oh. Because they... <laughs> I've wow. seen, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of comments. I mean, look, you know, part of my job is being on social media, so I see it all when it's trending. But uh, there are a lot of people that are frustrated, and rightfully so. Um, the Saints have not done it, but you know, anything can happen. You know, we always say any given Sunday, any given year. I mean, there, you know, there, there's time, there's times that you have to look at everything as a whole and say what's best for this franchise. And um, it happened with the Pelicans, and look how they're performing. So. I don't want to see us have two two losing seasons. I mean, last year, you know, we had every circumstance, hurricane, COVID injuries. But, I mean, this year, there really was no excuse for it. So, I, I can't really I, – I mean, I'm not going to never say never. They could bring him back. But I think it's a wrong decision, and I think you're really going to, you know, fire up the fan base worse than it already is. And um, you don't want to see empty seats. In the how, how key is it going to be for them to – have Sean Payton go take a job somewhere because oh. if he goes and takes say the charge the Chargers or Cardinals job which I think both of those are going to be open and because they both have young quarterbacks and I, I think I could see Sean coaching either one of those teams that's how you're going to get picks that you need because you don't have any picks right so is that the the big domino no matter who's coaching this team for having Sean Payton going coaching elsewhere so you can get those picks back? Or would you rather have them have Sean come back to the Saints? Sean is not coming back to the Saints. There we go. <laughs> uh, I've been one. asked that, so I, I had to ask you. I've been asked that, and I've said, no, he's not coming back. But I just wanted you to go ahead and say that as well. No, Sean is not coming back. And, yes, we need those picks. I don't care. I don't care what team it is, where he goes – Get everything and anything you can get from Sean because we need to fill in some positions. We we obviously you said we don't have a first round draft pick. Philly's Philly has that from us. So uh to fill in some of our needs. I mean, Sean was a great coach for us. And look, I wish I wish he was still here. I'm not gonna make no secret about that at all. I loved Sean in New Orleans. If anybody wasn't from New Orleans that fit in well here, Sean was the guy. I mean, he he, you know, but I mean that ship has sailed. He is no longer the coach of this team and he is not coming back. 
So it's time to look towards the future and the Saints need to get everything and anything they can get from him. And if it's a case of, you know, where they feel, hey, somebody asked me this other day, well, you know, what if what if uh, he goes to the Cardinals and they're in the NFC? Or, you know, what if he goes to an AFC team? I said, it doesn't matter. I said, you know, I mean, obviously there there's been talk of him possibly going to um, the, the Chargers, but we don't know where he's going to go. We don't even know 100% sure if he'll come back next year. He may sit out another year. Who knows what's going to happen? Nobody thought Sean was going to leave this year. But whatever happens, the Saints need to make sure they're on the winning end of that deal because um, just like the Chauncey trade, you know, we got peanuts for him. It, that can't happen with Sean. We need to get, you know, as, as many picks that we can get as much compensation for, for the loss of Sean because it, it hit us a lot harder than obviously we thought it was going to. Who are some players that are on this roster right now that won't be on this team next year because of tough decisions that'll have to be made? Well, as much as it hurts for me to say this, Mark Ingram. I mean, he's thirty-two years old. You know, he had a he had an, an MCL sprain. Now he's got a tear. He's out for the season. And uh, you know, I know a lot of Saints fans are frustrated with him because of that that play. And and that's not on Mark. He shouldn't have been out there to begin with. I mean, he blew, you could see he blew his knee on that play, but. Yeah, Mark's not going to be here next season. Um, I, I question – I don't think Deontay Hardy is going to be back either. Um, Jawan Johnson, who's a tight end, he's been really good for us. I think we need to bring him back. Tight end's been a position that we haven't really had someone stellar. And we've seen – this season's been disappointing, but we've seen really, you know, um, great potential from him. Uh, Callaway, questionable. Uh, I know Jarvis's deal, I think, was a, is a one-year deal. So I think Jarvis will come back because he was injured half the season and we didn't see the potential there. And then, of course, you know, Andy Dalton. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Are they going to bring him back? The whole – everybody keeps saying quarterback controversy. And I was convinced, like, oh, no, it's – you know, but it is. It's it's. We don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, J- Jameis is on a two-year deal, but he was hurt all this season. We never got to see him back on the field honestly, as much as I advocated for him to be back on the field, I hope they just sit him the rest of the season because there's no sense playing him at this point when the season is lost and risk, you know, another injury or further injury. Cause I don't, I don't know if he's a hundred percent, but uh, I know that he's well enough to play, but I, I think just sit him for the rest of the season and, and start from scratch. But yeah, the, the team has a, a lot of decisions to be made. And then obviously, you know, salary cap wise, we've seen players get cut. It happened with Thomas Morstead. He was fan favorite, you know, was really you know excelled at his position for us and he was caught and he was a, he was a you know a casualty of, of of financial reasons so i think you're going to see some players that you're you know you're not, not really expecting to uh be cut but it could happen the saints surprise us every year with that they surprise us with trades again look what happened this season and um you know it's just it's 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 nature of the game the nfl is a business and and we've always said the nfl stands for not for long so you know you got to be a fan of the team and not of the player because at the end of the day that you know that there's no i in team and that's what comes together but you know we'll just see what happens with that I, my, my main concern is getting these guys healthy and then you know like i said starting from scratch again <laughs> all over another season tina appreciate your time as always Enjoy your weekend, and if I don't talk to you before now on Christmas, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thanks. Yeah, it's going to be a what we call a challenging offseason for the Houdats because uh, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Andres Pete, Cam Jordan, there's some big contracts that are going to have to be figured out. And who's going to coach this team? Tina thinks 
she believes that the franchise will move on from Dennis Allen, which I didn't think would be a possibility. The Bensons or Mickey have never fired a coach after one season. But would they do it this time? Now, they fired Stan Van Gundy after one season with the Pelicans. They made that decision. Gail, the queen, had to sign off on that. Would they make a decision to part ways with Dennis Allen and say it's time to go? I don't know, but it's going to be an interesting, fascinating offseason for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, finalize the poll question of the day, and then get you set up for footnotes with special guest hosts. And really, he's part of the family. He's like our second cousin. Blaine Viator will be filling in for the foot. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Uh, don't forget, Army-Navy game this weekend. We'll have it for you on the game tomorrow. Also today, STM-LCA state championship game. Pre-game begins at 11 o'clock right after footnotes with guest host Blaine Viator. Special one-hour pre-game. You heard Danny Jones talk about having Jim Hightower down for an interview. That'll be part of the pre-game show. Kickoff set for noon. I'm going to take a moment to thank our guest, Byron Starks, LSUE men's basketball coach, Danny Jones, the voice of STM Cougar football, Zach Miller, fantasy football expert, and Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles. Our poll question of the day is, who should win the Heisman Trophy? Not who will win. That'll be Caleb Williams. But who should win? And 56% of you say TCU's Max Duggan should win over everyone else. Also, fun fact, courtesy of BRAD, Hacksaw Jim Duggan went to SMU on a football scholarship and earned a bachelor's degree in plant biology. He also won a New York State championship in high school wrestling. More information for you, Hannah, who had no idea who Hacksaw Jim Duggan was. And I'm trying to convince myself that Hacksaw is somehow an uncle to the TCU quarterback. I just think that would make it so much better. That's going to do it for today's show and for the week. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts the Third. We'll do it all again on Monday, six to nine. Up next, footnotes with guest host Blaine Viator, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs>